So welcome everybody to the Spicy PL Pod. This is episode 12. We've got a special guest today, Mr. Blaine Sumner, the Vanilla Gorilla. And as always, we've got Big Joe Cap. Yo. And Big Peachy Boy. What up? So um, yeah, today's a, a momentous, a monumental event having Blaine on the Spicy PL Pod. Blaine, you've been on the, uh, you've been on a lot of pods lately. What's the deal, man? I mean, I think a bunch of these pods started when the quarantine started, and all these powerlifters are like, "Let's pod it up." Yeah, you're and so, awesome. and tons. you're so charismatic. Everybody just ran ran to you, but I feel like we're last in line. We're like, we fucked up. The pod. Fire. I mean, I just I go on when I'm invited. Y'all could have invited me earlier. That's all. I was like, I was like, man, I hope Blaine will do this because he's been on so many pods. Like, you could get tired of doing this shit, but we're gonna we're gonna do some different stuff. But anyway, Blaine. I'm just going to do a quick introduction of you. Obviously, I think a lot of, we have a few hundred listeners, you know, and I think most of them are single ply lifters, so they obviously know who you are. And, uh, but real quick for anybody who, who needs to know more about Blaine, he's a two-time IPF Open World Champion, a one-time Classic World Champion. Um, he's a five, five-time USAPL Open Equipped National Champion. Um, and he's a one-time open raw champion. Beat Ray Williams. That was pretty sick. Um, I don't know. You've won a lot of Arnold's too. Uh, hold the world record in the total bench squat for open, um, equipped. And, you know, you're the most recent world champion in 2019. So, uh, you know, one of the first things we wanted to ask you is, uh, I saw after your performance at the Arnold, your back was kind of messed up. And I, I don't want to get into like your injury history and stuff, but uh, what are your plans and wh- what do you think your next competition will be? And like, what have you been doing in training and how are you going to stretch out the time? Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. And that kept changing because so after the Arnold, um, yeah, I hurt my back on the squat and then they took the world records away and I was extremely pissed. I was, I was beyond pissed. <laughs> I was like, this is it. I'm done. Like, that's all I needed to know. And then I just like thought hard about what I want to do, where I want to do it in. And I know that I knew if I didn't make a decision, I was just going to keep doing what I normally do, which is get ready for nationals, get ready for worlds. So I never really made a decision and I was getting ready for nationals in May. And then it got postponed to August and then it got canceled. Um, so really right now, uh, I'm just, I'm still training hard. I'm trying to get my back healthy, but I'm benching heavy and I'm doing as much squatting, deadlifting type stuff as I can. Yeah, so, you know, like, I know you, like, you think you're going to try and do the Arnold next year? Would that be, like, first on your calendar? At, at this point, I'd say so. Yeah, I that's mean, that's your meat, man. That's, like, it's basically the, the Blaine classic if you're in the powerlifting room. But uh, when you say you're done, you know, and we talked after that world record thing, when you say you're done or you thought, like, hey, I'm done, this sucks, this is bullshit, you mean, you meant, like, you were done with IPF powerlifting? It, it for sure crossed my mind, yeah. Yeah, but then then you had time to think about it, and you know it's just, it's basically the same shit we've had to deal with for the last ten years. So what's the difference, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. And another question we had for you was, uh, you know, we're in Massachusetts, we're in the Northeast, and uh, you know, we've been in a pretty tight lockdown since um, since March. Like basically, we got back from the Arnold, and we never went back to work, um, and we we started working out at home. We're sitting in our home gym right now that we built. Uh, 
when this stuff started. Um, you know, and you're you're in Wyoming. We wanted to know, like, do you believe that coronavirus is real? Yeah, I believe it's real. It's been pretty wild up here. Like, uh, I'm lucky I got my own gym, but they shut gyms down for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. But uh, no one close to me, no one I know that has had it. Yeah. Uh, hasn't, I mean, it hasn't affected my day-to-day life at work. It hasn't affected my training. Um, so you've, you've pretty much always trained at your own facility or for a while now, um, whether it was the shed or your own place in Wyoming. You know, I know you live in a, in a rural area, but like you also have been working from home for quite some time or part-time in the field and part-time at home. Yeah, and I, I mean, for the last few months, I've been mostly in the field. Okay, solid. So th- I, I, I did think like this didn't really affect you that much, but you know, like your, your, di- your day to day. Yeah, it really hasn't. That's good, man. Well, yeah. I think those were, you know, our coronavirus questions, and we're glad to, we're glad that you're not um, planning on not doing IPF powerlifting anymore. But uh, I remember talking to you about that. Well, so if you ever did decide to be done with IPF powerlifting, what types of goals do you think you'd set? You'd still keep lifting. Would you try to go for like Dave Hoff's ass? Would you like consider going to dark side? Would you go multi? Like, what would you do? I mean, honestly, I've thought about everything. The the thing that is my strongest reason to to maybe step out of IPF is at the point where I'm at with my squatting, like. Every single time I try and do a big squat at a meet, I'm rolling the dice with my health. Like every time I've done one of those big squats, I've hurt my back. Things like it's getting worse and worse. So the thought of not having to walk a weight out, have a thick squat bar, and then cut my squat two inches higher. I mean, that's, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. What do you think you could squat if, uh, if those were the conditions? Have you tried that ever? Or? No, I've tried it ever. Um, I mean, I think the thing that would point to it most is the Arnold, I think it was like two years ago. It was the first year I didn't do the Grand Prix because I wasn't invited. I did uh, the meet in the back room, and I bombed out on squats. I did, I did that 11.35, but I, like, I just destroyed it. I smoked it, but it was high. Yeah, so, I was like, there, man. I saw it. Some <laughs> That shit was crazy. Like, if, I could, if I could squat to that depth and like not have to walk out and have a squat bar, yeah, I mean, it'd be good. Yeah. You think you'd kick Dave Hoff's ass? Not in my first meet. I mean, I, like, I don't know if you put together my like super total single ply IPF right now, but like eleven thirty five squat, thousand three bench, eight twenty seven deadlift, or eight seventeen deadlift. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I'd squat over twelve, bench over a grand, and then with that deadlift bar would help me quite a bit. So I yeah. don't know, maybe low low mid eights. That's Makes crazy. Sense. Well, yeah. I think we're going to jump around a little bit, but like going off the Dave Hoff stuff, did you see the guy bench 1105 in like what was a glorified bench daddy? The super bison. The super bison. I did. So I did, yeah. your boy, Mike Womack makes that and Peachy really wants to know what would you bench in that fucking thing? Dude, from day one, I've always said like the best bench shirt would be like a pimped out bench daddy slingshot thing. It, it It's whatever your hands can hold without your arms breaking because <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, seriously, like you just, you just get a tighter and tighter one. It's dude. Yeah. I swore you broke your forearm at the Arnold 2019, but like you were fine. I swore. I saw it bending. That was 2018. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. 20, no, 2019 last year. 
when he yeah. did the Grand Prix and he, there were no safeties on the Rogue. Anyway, I thought like, you yeah. broke your forearm and I was shook. Oh, yeah, shit. That was 2020 this year. My bad. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, like that guy, Will Barati, um, one of the guys I train in Canada, because I guess he's Canadian, said he benches around nine, multiply, but then he benched 11 in the fucking Super Bison. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's closer to using like reverse bands than it is a bench shirt. Yeah. You know? So it's that easy to like just touch it and press it. You're just, just close I mean, to I'm your not, chest. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying I could like throw it on and do 1200 or anything, but with a, a shirt, there's like a huge technical part of it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You could, you could put any raw lifter in like a bench daddy and they would do significantly more and not have too much of a problem. You've never seen a dude throw a bench shirt on and have success right yeah. away. I'm saying you'd bench 1200, though. I, yeah. Probably. I'm saying that. I'll do it. I mean, is there anything, you know, you trained with Mike Womack for a while, who obviously he's the only psychopath who would make that shirt. But, like, from what you learned about the shirt with him, is there a point where, like, you know, you try to make your bench shirts as close to a bench daddy as possible? Yeah, but there's only so much you can do because of the material. Like, the, the single-ply polyester material doesn't really have a whole lot of stretch to it. Yep. But but are you like taking in your chest plate like really tight to try to mimic the bench daddy or like what what kind of alterations are you making to your shirt to mimic it? I mean, I used to do a ton of stuff. Like I would try and tighten different things up, do this and that. And then it got to the point where like I experimented so much that I kind of came back to where I started. And now I just order my shirts from Titan pretty much how I use them. Like I might tighten up the sleeves as, as they get used. Um, but I think I think doing all that like crazy experimenting just taught me like what the bench like what can you do with the bench shirt and it brought me back to like I mean it's it's more I think it's more about how you use it rather than the alterations you make to it. You're, you're limited so much by the by the material. Yeah. Like in general, would you say that you're wearing it fairly loose compared to other people, or like really tight? I would say I wear it fairly loose. I mean, like in the warm-up room, I'd probably get mine on faster than anybody else. Faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Um, yeah, before we get off of Dave Hoff, you know, we've been talking about multiply. We just want to throw one of these in there. You've listened to the pod before. Who's pissing hotter, Dave Hoff or Eric Lillibridge? <laughs> yeah. settles the debate yeah i, I think guess. yeah that's that's unequivocal right there um <laughs> so i mean we'll just roll into some some more juicier stuff i definitely want to ask you about some of the recent meets against konovalov and other stuff and i mean just this year and while we're talking about your bench um there was a a video that came out of dan fluffing your ass cheeks in your singlet so I mean I like as an equipped lifter like I understand that like you're trying to win like all our asses are like floating on the bench right so like you're trying to wear a suit I'm assuming you just wear a super baggy singlet and like Dan fluffs it out and so like I wasn't really shocked but like the internet kind of went crazy because like I think you know when 90% of the people on powerlifting pages are raw lifters and they see someone fluffing their ass their singlet they don't really understand, you know, the, they, they just don't understand what the fuck's going on. But like, can you talk about 
what you thought about that. And on top of that, not, there was the ass fluffing, but then the Russians were like posting a bunch of videos of your bench from like different angles that they were trying to show the jury. Yeah. So that Russian dude, whatever his name is, is a piece of work. I, I mean, screw <laughs> that dude. Uh, more of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you're benching in the shirt properly, your butt's going to be like hovering on the bench. So I just try and get some extra slack in there to help, help the shadow. I mean, if I could grow hair on my head, I wouldn't have to worry about uh, That's right. my head coming, coming up either. You know, but there's not much I can do there. So Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always had my hair long or either in a ponytail or I just don't cut it short before meat. Um, and like, I feel like you've always, you know, I feel like I can only say this. You've always found loopholes. Like I remember when you first started wearing your suit slippers as your deadlift socks. Um, I, at 2016 nationals, actually, I went to the, uh, the technical controller. I was like, Hey, are you allowed to do that? And I was like, also, I think he has multiple layers of tape on his thumbs. <laughs> because that's when you're pulling hook grip so i know that you're always trying to find like an edge and like i think that's okay because you know here what me what me Luis, peach and alex were always talking about like what can we do to our gear how can we alter it to make it crazy like all this stuff but like when did you start like trying to bend the rules like that um probably when i started training with Will Mack in the shirt, I think. That's probably it. Yeah. I'm trying to, I, I used to try and do like the reverse rake on the, sh the shoes for deadlifts. And I'm trying to remember if I started doing that before or after. What's but a reverse rake? Like where the, the toe box on your shoe is higher than the heel. Yeah. So instead of like elevated heel, got elevated. Oh, toe. I remember those shoes too. Yeah, I was pissed about that. <laughs> no actually maybe it wasn't i think matt gary was coaching ray williams at a meet against you and they were like trying to get someone to look at your shoes yeah yeah that's good shit dude so womack basically like i've talked to more people than you like greg johnson or aaron pomerantz guys who've been there and like just tell me just tell me dude i'm not gonna go to like middle of nowhere texas and they're like no you have to go so like what he just sits there and tries to come up with shit to to basically lift more weight yeah, I mean, I kind of had the same takeaways in my head as when I went to go to Westside. But, like, honestly, Womack doesn't do anything insane with the shirts. Like, nothing that's magic or that no one else could think of. It's just, like, I mean, I never thought of of being self-sufficient, like, you know, tightening up the sleeves yourself. I yeah. feel. So just that was, like, mind-blowing. But, uh and I even use the shirt way different than how he does. I just found the, like the way that works better for me. Um, but I, I think it was just seeing, like seeing that you could have an open mind. Um, and there's so much stuff in powerlifting that it's like, we do this this way because it's how we've always done it and no one other really thinks otherwise. So it was just like seeing a perspective of doing things different that made me think about other stuff. Yeah. Did you wear uh shin, like shin guards ever for deadlifts to, is that allowed? Yeah. I think shin guards are allowed. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Does, do you think that helps? Like, you don't still do that, right? So. That, no, I'm too big to keep the bar close to my shins, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hit my yeah. shins either. I don't know why people hit their shins. We're too fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, like, apparatuses, I was curious about your, your like, spotting ratchet system. As As an engineer, I'm just curious, like, how that works. You must have some sort of, like, catch that engages so i'm curious like 
if you like double clutch or change direction, is that what activates it? Like, is it, are there other ways that it might, you know, engage or like, uh, how's it exactly work? Yeah. So kind of in layman's terms, like it works the same for squat or bench. I can walk the weight out or take the weight on a bench press. And as soon as the bar descends, usually three or so inches, um, these safety clips pop off. And after those pop off, it'll allow the bar to continue traveling down. But as soon as the direction reverses, it's like a, a ratchet deal. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking, how it works. So like, if you go past, if, if you just don't ever change direction, you, you could still like get crushed, right? Or no? Exactly. Yeah, like if you bring a squat down the hole and you can't even get it going, it's still going to keep coming down. Or if you like dump it off, it it won't catch it. Maybe. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But, Is that why you still put the blocks in in, in exactly. training? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because I was curious about that. It was, it's pretty sweet. You you <laughs> invented that. Kinda? I mean, yeah, yeah. I like. I think the same thing as the concept. The uh, I had to have a fabricator build support mechanisms and then the uh like the seatbelt belt i just said and then the seat belt obviously i just had to yeah. figure a way to make it work oh, i'm sure you had to do a little study on what you had going on in your uh your roof structure <laughs> to support <I> that <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty intense so you plan on like selling those at any point or you just made it for yourself i i thought about it i didn't talk to some people about like patenting it and no one gave me a good vibe. Like it probably costs ten to twenty grand to get a patent, and you probably can't even protect it. And I mean, the y'all know how cheap powerlifters are. Like I practice sell those things for five yeah. six hundred bucks each. Like no one's gonna buy that, and you can only use them for one rep. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Pretty cool, anyway, though. Alex is an inventor himself, so you know <laughs> he's a mechanical What's engineer. That? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do a little tinkering. Yeah. So I want to bring it back a little bit to um you know everybody knows like your high points but um you know we've been competing against each other for a long time which i talked about last week but um you know i kind of want to go through like the two nationals that i won 2013 and 2014 you know i made it pretty clear last week the only reason why i won was because you bombed out on squat twice and that all your lifts were bigger than mine even your openers were still bigger than my third attempts like those two years like what was going through your head? And and by 2015, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this fucker is back again. Because at one point, you know, talking to you, I thought maybe you were just like, fuck it. I, I, I can't squat like this. You know, you would hurt your hip squatting super deep at, a, at Raw Worlds. And I just thought maybe like for the third year, you wouldn't come back. But in 2015, you did come back and you killed it. So I was just curious, like what was going through your head during those two years where, you know, it really went bad on squat and then you know, 2014 in Philly, we kind of got into it in the warmth room because I was, like, chirping you guys at the jury. <laughs> so I guess those two years I bombed, my, my CTE memory um, gets me sometimes, but uh, I think those two years I bombed, I was still pretty heavily involved in com- competing in Raw. Yeah. Um, so, like, it sucked, but it wasn't the end of the world because I probably did, like, I don't know, Raw Nationals and Raw Worlds those years, too. Um, so yeah, you did, you did. And that's what I want to talk about. So like in 2014, you ended up beating Ray Williams at raw nationals. And, um, then you did 2015 raw worlds and you, you missed that like seven, eight, three deadlift to win. And, um, I guess the, the guys were wondering like, 
I, 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 I know the answer, but like, you know, would you ever consider going back to raw? Because Ray kind of seems like he might be at the end of his road, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've joked about it being like a retirement sport. Um, and honestly my hips, it's probably don't push my squats raw anymore, but my hips actually feel a lot better. I'd say like the last year than my back does or my elbows and my shoulders. So, yeah. um, I mean, it, it's crossed my mind, but I'd probably rather do like WPO or something before I do raw again. But it's all up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and then, you know, one last kind of shitty thing is talking about world games. I want to talk about world games in 2017 because, um, you know, you were doing your thing, you know, we both struggled. Uh, I think we were both like two for six going into deadlifts, but, um, you know, obviously your lifts were a lot larger than everyone else's going two for six. And, um, you know, you could have won the meet with like a very, very low deadlift opener, like 300 keys or something like that. And I just want to know like kind of what was going through your head. You know, I, I looked at some numbers, like you were trying to still win best lifter at world games, which is obviously like an incredible accomplishment. So I just want to know like what was going on with that. And like, if that, you know, cause that day stays with me today of how bad I lifted and then I threw an opportunity away to place higher or win. So I want to know if you're still thinking about that. And if, if part of the reason you're still doing this stuff is to try and win the next world games. Uh, so I guess trying to win another world games doesn't sway me too much. I mean, who even knows about the formula at that point, but yeah, 2017 stuff, like, I've bombed plenty of times on squat. I've bombed on bench before. Um, but bombing on deadlifts, like, I never thought that yeah, happened to me. We've been there. At the end, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, 100%, it, it was my fault. Um, it, going into World Games is when my, my back started getting really, really bad again. And I went in actually relatively healthy, but I was so protective of my back and training. Like, my my training numbers even on deadlift were fine. I could you know they were suggestive of where I've been before. But the thing I didn't account for was um, like the fatigue, and obviously they killed us on the squat judging for death. Yeah. Like I I got that third squat and I had just like let my air out and let the bar crush me. Um, but going into deads, um, it was it was just like the fatigue from that, and then I didn't have the, like the training and conditioning for my low back to be ready for this and yeah. it was probably uh i think it was probably an ego move to not lower my opener i if i remember right i think like my opening deadlift would have locked me down in the first place oh 100 percent. yeah you could have lowered it like 30 keys and that's i think that's what a lot of people were wondering about and like i just at your level like you're the best single ply lifter in the world like are you thinking about external factors like winning best lifter or are you just focused on the meat and that's the number you wanted um, so, so world games, it was like, I wanted to win gold, which was like for whatever, for our weight, you know, heavyweights. Yeah. Um, and I, it crossed my mind to lower it, but I was like, I think it was 739. And I was like, man, even if, even if my back doesn't feel good, like maybe it'll move slow, but it'll move. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> that world's that year you weren't there and, uh, kind of all bombed out. And I, I actually just, I lowered my bench opener because I would have won. Um, that's the only like real chance I had of winning worlds and, uh, I still missed it. <laughs> so we've all been there. It sucks to like, you know, we're used to bombing out, but it really sucks bombing out when you know you're about to win a big meet 
So I felt yeah. that. I think about 2017 all the time and how we just, yeah, I wasn't healthy that year either. So I think shit just caught up to us that year. Um, what do you think was worse, you know, like that meet or you know the two years at nationals? Like I know that going to Worlds in Denver in 2014 was really important to you. Like where, wh- what was? You've had a lot of high points. Like what was lower to you? The 20, 2014 or 2017? I'd for sure say 2017 because, like, I mean, bombing on a deadlift is, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, it was so much more controllable. Um, and then, like, when I was bombing out of Raw Nationals, I was, or Equip Nationals, I was still doing Raw Nationals, so I didn't feel like... Yeah, there was other stuff going on, yeah. Yeah, what would you say is your highest point, then, just to get both sides of the coin? Man, I, I know everyone talks about, like, how big of a deal it is to win Worlds, but... The obviously, if the Arnold World Records would have counted this year, it would have been that me. But yeah. like the 1135 squat I've done and the thousand three pound bench, I'd say are like the two things that I think about the most. Blaine loves the Arnold, man. Arnold's sick. <laughs> oh, we, we love the Arnold. <laughs> I mean, I get 2016 Worlds was like a very, it was like a very easy win for you. But I feel like, in my opinion, 2019 Worlds was like the best the best I've ever seen you lift. Like that was amazing because it was against, you know, a real competitor in Kanavalov who who had beaten you before. So I thought that was like that was like your bat most badass moment on the platform. And I I, I do want to talk about that because I think that starts at a funny it's kind of like a funny thing. So I know we were both at twenty fifteen Worlds in Luxembourg. You know, me and you were kind of like cool and we warmed up together and I had a really good time at that meet and uh you play second I placed third Konovalov got like a high squat passed and won which was a bummer but uh then he came out with this video which we're recording on my screen and you know he talks about the deadlift strategy and stuff so like do you think you had really never met him before that and did that video just kind of like set your guys's relationship in a bad way 100%. So I guess he claims in that video that like after the meet, you just like didn't shake his hand or something. Do you recall? Yeah. Like, yeah, I recall that because I printed a lot of that stuff out. Like uh, in my life and work and everything, I try and be very unbiased and like give everyone benefit of the doubt. And so I've thought about like maybe there's a big like language barrier or culture barrier yeah. between him and I. But at the end of the day, I'm like, no, screw that guy. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I had no, like, negative interaction. He didn't, I don't remember him coming up at all, like, trying to shake my hand or anything. Yeah. Or talk to me. I don't know if it was there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, he's he kind of, the way I imagine it was you were kind of just sitting, like, thinking about the meet, and he tried to come over and talk to you, and you were just like, nah, dog. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking about my own shit. But then, like, it kind of continued. So, like, 2016, they weren't there, but, and 2017, you guys weren't, you know, you weren't at Worlds, so there were like two years. But I know, I know that the way you operate, like you had a picture of him on your wall that whole time because you wanted to take him down. So like, 2018 Worlds, that was crazy because you know you you had that arm injury going in, and uh, you know obviously there was some bad blood, and being in the room for that was like crazy because you guys were just the energy was insane. You can tell there was hate in the room. You know, I think at one point I talked to you after bench and you pretty much thought you had him, you know, in, in Sweden. Yeah. You know, so can you talk about kind of what happened there? Yeah, so even going back to the 
2015 in Luxembourg and then 2018 in Sweden. I feel like there's probably around like 27 judging lights that if they went a different way, either against him, like 27 borderline lists with lights. And like if one of those lights had either gone against him instead of for him or for me instead of against me, I feel like I would have won both of me. Um, but yeah, after I sliced my arm open before 2018 Worlds, I mean, that obviously is the, for the whole cluster in itself. Um, if I remember right, like I only got my opener squat in, which I was still happy to even be able to get a squat in. But my bench was really blowing up at that time. And I feel, if I remember right, it's like if I got my bench opener in and my squat opener in, I thought that I was going to be like good to go. Like he, he wasn't going to be yeah. able to pull enough. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of, you know, you guys both kind of like up the totals. Like I was really surprised in 2018 that he was able to even do that total, like 1250 or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, 2019, you did get him. It was it was an awesome meet by you, but he also lifted really well. He just didn't have the same horsepower in the deadlift as he did the year before. And, uh, you know, it was amazing to watch you guys. You know, as usual, I was in the back, like paying attention to what's going on and just having a bad meet myself which is pretty typical these days but uh it's always awesome so like you got them this one time you know do you feel like there's going to be another edition i, I don't know because i don't even know if the future holds for myself but it's like when you guys ask me what the you know my favorite part or highest memory was like i for sure think about my biggest list and not that world um like we're it sounds wild, but world just isn't that fun to me. Like the environment isn't there. Yeah. The atmosphere. Yeah. Blaine wants the records. He's going for the records. <laughs> I mean, the Arnold is just so much more fun. I mean, there's people actually watching you lift. You know, there's music. People weren't running around. They're like, kind of like, oh my god, what's going on? And then at Worlds, it's kind of like. Yeah, it is kind of dead. But I know. feel like you know, you're a, you're a sports guy. You know, you're you're pretty close to being a professional football player. Like. Competition is badass, and I feel like you know going head to head with to somebody's bass. Like my favorite meet, like I think my favorite meet of all time was 2016 Nationals because like I was a little bit closer to you, you know, and I I felt yeah. like you know I'm in the fucking game. Like you know, there's strategy, there's there's fucking you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Like that was fun to me, and yeah, Worlds isn't fun for me sometimes cuz it's like watching people that are 100 keys above you and then there's a lot of people below you and you know I'm kind of just in this mid range but yeah like I don't know from from like a fan perspective it's good to see multiple people trying to win you know and and a cool meet rather than you know you're setting records in a vacuum at the Arnold which is also badass but I think I just kind of differ in that way but um well so like it sounds like the records are more important to you. Like, yeah, you've seen all this stuff on like ESPN with Thor and you know the American records. Would you ever? Would you want to be on something like that? Like um, set some records on TV? Like have you? Has anybody approached you about that? Um, I talked to that WUS organizer guy for a little bit because like it'd be easy for for me to do a squat and like right cut it two inches high and bring the <laughs> squat bar right. Yeah. Um, but my back, like, I just, I can't get it done this summer for sure. Yeah. Can you talk about strength wars yet or no? Yeah. I can't, I can't say like who wins or whatnot, but I can <laughs> tell the other stuff about it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about strength wars, like what it is and, and what your experience was like. 
Yeah, it was awesome. So, I don't know, it's probably towards the end of last year, I got approached by some guys from Generation Iron. They're putting together this documentary of a bunch of strength athletes to compete in the strength wars, which um, probably a lot of guys have seen on YouTube. So, we all went to uh, LA, I think it was January this year, um, for like a three day competition. There was, there was eight of us um, and competed in the powerlifting, strongman, crossfit type competition. Yeah. Um, so who was the coolest? Who was the coolest guy out there? Like, who'd you like? Um, I talked with Jerry Pritchett the most. Yeah. He, yeah, he's pretty cool. Did you talk to then, NDO Champ? Yeah, I talked. I talked to all of them. <laughs> that guy's crazy. He is. I remember I was at I was at the Arnold and I went to the like Columbus Powerhouse Gym, and he just walked in with no shirt on, and he went into the cable uh, flies like the two towers and he set it on the heaviest weight and just cold, just started doing peck flies like, and jumping up and down and like going crazy. <laughs> Sounds about right. Was he doing shit like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know Larry wheels was there too. Uh, did you, did you see your boy struggling with addiction? Yeah. <laughs> did, you, too soon. Did, you, did you hear about this? Well, so I, it was one of the meme pages I saw and like, I look at a lot of memes. I'm like, what is this thing talking about? So I had to like look in the comments and then go watch the video. So yeah, I've seen it. So it wasn't apparent to you that he was struggling with addiction at Strength Wars, or it was not apparent. <laughs> I think it's fake. I think it's like for views, but you know, I'm I'm the cynical person. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, I don't know what you're talking just, about. Okay, so like obviously, like if you're listening to this, you can look it up, but like. Larry Wheels released a YouTube video yesterday where he's basically the title of the video is like, I have an addiction. And he goes into saying that he spent like every last penny of his money on uh, cam girls. Get the fuck like out paid, of here. Like paid cam like porn. Wow. And that he's like. I love this because Peach didn't know. <laughs> this so is so crazy. He's basically spent every last penny and he had to have his like fiance start managing his money. And now he's like doing better, but he like has this whole. So he was paying for cam girls while he has a fiance. Yeah. What the fuck? And that he's like totally broke. Oh my god. I don't know how dude. he's broke, man. I wish I had that. You know what's crazy? I is wish like, I had that PR breaker money. I feel like uh, you could definitely waste a lot of money on uh, on something like that because. Oh know, really, Peach? You know. Well, about no, that? I I know someone who, debatably. <laughs> <laughs> has done this type of shit and lost a lot of money on it. So. Damn, dude. <laughs> really? Yeah. Peach is in a dark <laughs> world. If you don't know, Blaine Peach is a professional gambler, but so he he knows yeah, these. Know he some, just knows these types know, of things. I know some things. How, like, how do you spend all your money on that? Like, I don't know, man. I really don't understand it at all. So, Blaine, when is uh when is Strength Wars coming out and on what platform? Because I've I've been I, talking to Alex about it. Like, we want to watch it. I believe it's supposed to come out this fall. I know that the whole COVID thing has hurt some of the production timing. Um, so I think it's supposed to come out this fall. Originally, it was supposed to come out on Netflix. I'm not sure if it is or not. I'm, it'll for sure be released on the Generation Iron platform. So they, like, if a movie is good, they actually make more money releasing it on the Generation Iron platform because they get every dollar. Um, so sometimes, like, after that, train has wore out they'll sell it to netflix because like once they sell it to netflix the income stream is over yeah gotcha yeah, um it's pretty exciting i mean like um i guess you probably can't talk about too many of the details but like 
you, you said you can't say like who wins what, but like, are you allowed to talk about any of the events? Like what was your like favorite event or like what type of events they had? Yeah, they all sucked because they were all for like 10 reps. It was terrible. I will say I did better than I was expecting or any other people were expecting. Um, being like the only drug free guy, the you know, power lifter. Were you the heaviest was, guy there? Yeah, Jerry was next, but I, I don't know. He's probably like 360 or something. Yeah, they're pretty. He's then, pretty lean. I mean, for that size. Then, yeah, but it was like you know, axle bar deadlifts for like 500, 600 for a set of 10, 550 squat for 10, and everything's in succession. Um, like prowler push, overhead stuff. Yeah, it sounded like it was catered that to like a, a pro strongman would win. Not that saying I know I don't know anything about it, but it sounds like it was just like strength medleys. Um and like in twenty twelve we talked about, you know, possibly doing strongman, like the both of us. Like is you we haven't talked about that, but is that something you still think about or is that kind of ship has sailed as we're into our, you know, mid thirties almost? <laughs> I mean, I would love to because like my dream, I would love to be like a super heavyweight IPF powerlifter until I was 50 years old, right? But as a super heavyweight and weighing 400 pounds, like it's not healthy to to do this forever. The weights that we're handling, being the size. Yep. So I know, I don't know when it is or why it will be, but there's got to be an end to it. And powerlifting or a uh, strongman was always intriguing to me because it's like, I don't, like for us to move these weights, like I have to be, like I have to be 400 pounds for me to squat 11 and bench a thousand. Right. Yeah. But strong man, it's like, you know, I could probably lean down get, I don't know, 320 or something like that. Being a lot leaner, a lot better shape and not just have my strength absolutely plummet or like ruin me for strong man. I, I know I wouldn't be at like the world's strongest man. Well, see, I, I know you, I feel like if you started doing strong man, you would, you would get even bigger <laughs> and like try to win, try to win. Like, you know, like these guys like Eddie Hall, you know, Eddie Hall, six, three, you're six, two, you know, when he won world's strongest man, he was, you know, a solid four twenty or four, 430 pounds. I mean, especially if you go the route of using, you know, anabolics, yeah. like the, the, your composition could yeah, change at 400 pounds. Composition. So I feel like I know you and your competitive drive is just like too much. <laughs> But the the thing that always is a reality check for me about strongman is like my back is for sure my limiting factor now with lifting and like powerlifting is relatively safe because like your squats and your deadlift is such a routine thing like every movement's the same. Yeah. Strongman when you're talking about like the stones, like I can keep for the most part a relatively good back position for squats and deadlifts. When you're talking about like picking up stones or logs for like reps when you're already fatigued, deadlift for reps. Um, like my back wouldn't yeah, survive that. I did a strongman show and I I thought I did pretty well. And then the next week, I started. I went and trained at the strongman gym with some pro strongmen here, and I tried a new event. And you know that that's kind of what what was my takeaway. Like I try a new event, and uh, like I hurt myself right away because it's like something I've never done before. And you know your expectations is okay. Like I was trying to super yoke okay, this guy squats a thousand pounds. Like he should be able to yoke whatever the fuck it is. And I like blew out my calf, just like not stepping the right way. So like, yeah. And then what, you know, after that, there's just more and more events. So for sure. And, and my one other takeaway from strongman was you're definitely going to tear a bicep. Cause like the way they stack the event is like you max your deadlift, then you do Atlas stones and then you do a Hustafel stone like in front of you and your biceps just hurt so bad for like two weeks. It's crazy. So yeah i've also got this theory too 
similar to that. Like a few years ago, I, I never ever even remotely got into bodybuilding, but I just wanted to do some different off-season training. So I kind of worked with this um, bodybuilding guy in Oklahoma and I'd hurt, I hurt myself, like not, not seriously, but just the joints. And I think, and I'm going to say the same analogy to strongman, but it's like guys like us or any high level strength app or powerlifter, like you get so strong to a certain level. And if you try and do like body and building movements or strong, strongman movements, like your strength is already at such a point where, yeah, you can like move some very heavy weight in exercises that you haven't done before, but the coordination and different joint angles, everything else that goes along with it, like it's pretty dangerous. Like you're obviously strong enough to yoke 1100 pounds because you can, you could walk it out. But I mean, the different nuances of your calves, your Achilles, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. For. I do remember when you were, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember you doing these like drop sets on a leg press with this guy in Oklahoma. And I was like, what <laughs> the fuck is Blaine doing? So like, again, like we, we, we talked about like, you know, you trying to like break some of the rules, not break some rules, but bend rules to your advantage, which I think is fine. But you also have tried a lot of different things over your career because when you get to a certain level, like you have to try different stuff. But that was one of the crazier things I remember you doing. <laughs> I feel like Jess was behind that. It, she wasn't the cause of it, but she, it happened as a byproduct of her training with this bodybuilding guy. Yeah. Cool. So, um, you know, you were talking about one of the meme pages and, uh, I just want to know, you know, we saw you follow spicy PL memes and we want to know if you, if you, uh, know who it is or think you know who it is. So after like 10 episodes or whatever that y'all have done to this, I, I can't believe you haven't figured it out yet, but it's me. <laughs> it's not you it's 100 percent not you no <laughs> no i have no idea all right man but well, so, do, so you we enjoy had that some, we had some clues like maybe we could spitball a little bit like who it might be i don't know what are our clues well so spicy sent you a picture that he or she claims to have taken of you yeah in stavanger yeah blaine wasn't there um so it's tough. We we actually don't have a lot of clues. Bonica's more. Well, I know that uh, they got super offended when we thought that they were Scandinavian. So I'm pretty sure that they're American. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We're going to find out. Yeah. I mean, there's some clues. Like um, he posted or she posted that they were in Atlanta for yeah, work. Yeah, we once. saw that. And like it was on the story. So we thought like maybe they have two accounts and like meant to post that on their other account and it was like an accidental post yeah or red herring yeah we don't know they also sent hard spicy spent sent hard eyes to a girl we know in massachusetts like yeah i think it's a person who's not controlling their accounts right so like you know he's like liking a story or like sending a, a story reply with hard eyes to this girl we know yeah. but like from Ooh. the spicy account so it's yeah. like is this person married? Are they single? Is it a guy? Is it a girl? We get, we're trying to figure it out. But yeah, and so it's this girl that's very she, like, interesting. I think yeah. she just followed his pa his or her page because we post them because we post them all the time. I don't think that they know each other, but like he's sending hard eyes to girls uh, off the meme page. So well, a lot of people think it's me too. Well, yeah. So we think it like could be someone who's probably like somewhat of a savage, or like if they have a girlfriend or single. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's got to be a male. Yeah. So, 
yeah. like the the joke about the tampons. They're they're pretty rough. Yeah, like yeah. There's also a meme equating like raw lifting with you know like tampons or something, and Natalie got pretty <laughs> mad at that. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, it's it's a meme page. It's yeah, it's free reign. So we got no idea. Yeah. Kind of. We were hoping you could help us out. But. Yeah. 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 There's. There, I could be zero help. I like. I go to meets and then I just leave and I forget everything else. It's all good. Oh yeah, we actually had a a fan question. Um, a dude who's really strong, but you know, you know, we'll talk about it openly. His name's Chris Dronius. I don't know if he you met him at in Dubai. He's from South Africa. He like. Yeah, I did. He competed a while ago and pulled like eight thirty eight raw. But uh, he he failed a couple drug tests, so he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. He made some mistakes. I chat with him a little bit, um, but he wants to know why uh, why you travel the way you do when you go international. And I've asked you this before, like how um, you kind of cut it close to the meat, like with your travel. Like, what's your theory on that? Yeah, um, I do cut it close. My whole thing on the jet lag is like it's all. It, it's all in your, it's not all in your head, but you can make it be all in your head. Like I try to be, just act like it's not even a, a real thing. The whole jet lag, like it's just how it doesn't exist. Um, so I, I know it always hits me after the meet and I don't know if it's because of exhaustion of doing the meet or it is from the traveling, but I just, I try and show up as close as possible, try and keep like a normal sleep schedule. Um, I guess, I don't have a good answer except for delusionally act like there's no such thing as jet lag and I'm just going to show up and I'm going to be ready to go. Yeah. You know, like you're just in a 10 hour time capsule and then you're at a meet kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, it's kind of interesting about that. Blaine is one of my friends, uh, did a research study on, um, like oxygen levels in the blood because he went to some university in Denver and, uh, he was saying that like time for your like oxygen in your blood to normalize after a changing elevation was most stable within 24 hours. And then after, like, I believe it was like 10 or 12 days. So I just thought that was interesting that you showed up to meets kind of like, you know, very close to when the meet actually started. Cause I think that might actually be benefiting you, um, in that type of way. I, I try and do it so that if there's any problems with flights or delays, like I usually have about a, like a 24 hour window where I could still show up and be there on time. Um, and so I have some insurance there, but yeah, I just try and do an airstrike and, and bounce. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting piece that there's like a 24 hour window. And then after that, you're kind of fucked for like a week and a half. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's why I live like shit every time I go overseas. Cause I'm always there for like five or six days. <laughs> <laughs> like, like some people have been making this point to me and I think about you a lot when, when people make this point to me is cause you, you travel pretty well, you know, um, you know, obviously like Dubai was an awesome meet. You have good meets overseas, um, raw meets overseas. When I travel, I, I've never squatted a thousand, I've squatted a thousand like f- at four meets, but never outside of the U S you know, cause even world's 2016, I squatted a thousand, but it was in Orlando. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to, I got to figure that one out because I kind of just like turn purple right away and it's either like my body's under some type of stress, um, you know, when we travel. So I'm like warming up with light weights and my blood pressure's super high and I turn like freaking purple and it happens at every meet. Everybody's like, wow, you look like shit. 
Um, but <laughs> so I got to figure that one out. Yep. Blaine, we got some more uh, like fan questions for you since we're doing some some uh, fan requests. So do you have any spicy insider info on Kelly Branton? Did he actually trip and fall on a syringe or what? Like, I, is that I, still your boy? Is he like, are you your boys I, with him? Um, I don't, I guess it depends on your definition of boy. Like when I was in Oklahoma city after Rob, uh, it was like Rob bench world or something in Texas. He drove up to train with me and like stayed at the house for a few days. Um, I don't have any insider information. Uh, he's, he's texted me a few times since he popped yeah. when he first popped. Um, I'm not real savvy at all. I'm like ke- chemical names and steroids. Yeah. So like, like I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt figuring like, oh, okay, you know, it's probably something stupid or tainted supplements, pre-workout something. And then like I read more about it and it sounded like pretty serious stuff. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. When straw is pretty um, serious, man. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's, he's for sure like extremely embarrassed. I think he's probably unplugging from the powerlifting scene maybe forever. It seems that um, way. His Instagram's kind of gone now he was pretty active yeah. before that so you, you do you talk to him regularly anymore or no no maybe like every two months he'll send me a text but uh i, I can tell he's like struggling yeah yeah so i guess another question we've kind of already talked about this but one of the fans asks uh give us at least one bench shirt secret other than wearing it super tight so like which to that mm-hmm. fan blaine doesn't wear it super tight yeah but. Let's see. I will say, hmm. I'd almost say like take a month and pretend like you don't know anything about the bench shirt. Forget anything anyone has ever taught you, and take like a ram or a slingshot and try and make the bench shirt work for you in that same manner. So, would you say does that mean like wear the sleeves lower or something? Yeah, I don't think it's any secret. I like to wear my sleeves real low. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work for everyone. And like it's your build and your arch and your touch point and your strength curve. Like there, there's like 20 different knobs to turn. Yeah. And all those knobs are going to be different for every person. But like learning what those knobs are is the, the the start. So basically, what you're saying, it took you like 15 years to reverse engineer the perfect equip bench. Hundred <laughs> percent. I remember you used to ask me for bench advice, which what a joke that is now. <laughs> <laughs> Long time ago. Uh, I guess this is one last question, and maybe um, you know, maybe we'd go around the table or something. But uh, what lifters do you think have the best technique, or the most optimal technique? Man, uh, it's going to have to be an equipped lifter, obviously, because there's just. 20 times more technique involvement there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say Ray Stin for the bench. I'm going to say Bonica for the squat. Oh yeah. And. Mm, You're like, I don't trying to think of that lift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> throw your boy, Julian, throw your boy, Julian a bone. Oh, how did I not think of that? Yeah. yeah Julian's got exceptional. Yeah, I was. I know. I knowing you for a while. I know that you only. You not that you don't. You're not a fan of other lifters, but like you really only pay attention to what's going on in your world, and you try not to watch too much. Is that fair to say that you don't really like go crazy watching other people lift unless you're like coaching them or really close with them? 
Yeah, I, that's exactly true. I remember talking to you about <clears throat> Alexei Baikov uh, before we went to Poland. And I was like, dude, you know, you got a good shot at winning this, but like, have you, you know, Baikov's going to be tough. And you were like, who's that? And I was like, holy shit. Like, at one coin, I was like, wow, Blaine should really know who Baikov is. But then on the other side of the coin, I was like, this dude is like, Blaine knows that if he lifts well, it doesn't matter who the fuck Baikov was. So that was like a really interesting, it was interesting to me. You probably don't remember the conversation, but it was interesting to me when we were talking about that because it kind of made me realize like, I don't have that mindset. Like I, I watch everybody, I study everybody and I try to make plans to beat other people. And uh, I just think that we're like opposite in that way. But he ended up bombing out too. That was a fucking crazy meet. <laughs> but he's a badass. But I, I think that's kind of like the point of that question for Blaine. Like he, he even had a hard time thinking of who he likes <laughs> because he doesn't, he's worried about his own shit. Well, we we had a we had a group question, and it's kind of like a funny question. Um, I know that you, in the gym, like your wife hands you off or a buddy, but like at meets, who do you think gives the best handoff? Ooh, um, Eric Curry's pretty darn good. I can't say Mike Z for sure. Can't say Mike. You Z. can't. You can't. Wow. No. No. Too much. No, he's he's good. I just I can't say I can't give I can't give him any love. <laughs> okay. Oh. What happened with you oh, and Mike? It's man? like that. Wow. We need to know why you. Yeah. What happened with you and Mike? The, oh no, there's nothing spicy. I love Mike Z. I just can't give him any love. What about um? um yeah. No, that's fine. He's listening. He's he he listens to every pod. He's gonna be upset. But I I I think Mike's a great handoff. I think Mike's a great handoff. But also, it's, I've trained with honestly, him for ten years, so. I mean, honestly, I couldn't tell you like guys that have given him up my handoffs because I'm like, I couldn't even tell you probably 90% of the judges I've ever had for big lifts. Um, See, yeah. dude, that's we're so but, opposite. I look at the referees before the meet because I want to know. He's like, am I going to get, am I going to get screwed? <laughs> yeah, basically. Like how bad is this going to be? <laughs> Which, Yeah, how deep do I have to go? Get the lube. <laughs> like, like I, I love my wife. I love my wife to death and I'm so pumped she can help me in the bench shirt. But it's like her, she can probably deadlift 315. So it's like whoever I get at a meet is going to be stronger than her. So it's going to be a better handoff at a meet than I yeah. get in training anyways. Yeah, man. I, I got to find me a woman like that. Yeah, a lot of the wrap Japanese, my knees and hand me off. That's sick. A lot of the Japanese do self lift off, so it's probably a good way to. It's probably good for training that way with not a like a strong lift off. Do you think that? Yeah. Like, do you like that strategy, or like, if you had the option, would you go for a, a good, a, like, a better lift off in training? Do you think it's actually benefiting um, you? I think it benefits me. Like, I I don't think I would have ever selected to do it this way if I had a choice. But now it's like. I never go to a meet and worry like, oh, is this handoff going to be good enough or not? You know, whoever they put there is going to be a relatively very strong, capable person that has done handoffs before, and that's going to be plenty. I guess that's a good takeaway for people. Yeah. Do a lot of self-handoffs or... Blaine's like, he trains so self-sufficiently. Like, the, the fact that you train without spotters is probably mentally for your squat at meets. Like, you know, when I squatted a meet, I... I kind of let myself get scared because I feel like I get into a fight or flight where I I want to feel the the butterflies in my stomach. I want my hands to shake because I feel like that will bring out my adrenaline. But I feel like for you, the way you train, you're peaked all the time. 
you train in gear a lot and like your just readiness is so high. You just have to be super confident going up to, for every lift. Yeah. Like, is that your strategy and you train in gear more than anybody I've ever seen? Yeah. Um, so before every meet and before big training sessions, like I get super nervous. Like I, I was as nervous for the Arnold as I was like my first local meet, you know, I just, but I don't think of nervousness as a bad thing. It, it can, for sure, it's how you react to it. I mean, it can help you or hurt you. And I, I always turn my nervousness into adrenaline when it's yeah. time to compete. So, um, so you still it, are nervous. It, you're not like, what about at the time you're approaching the bar though? Cause I, I've seen you like the day before meet and you're like, I can't fucking eat. I'm so nervous. Right. But what about like, right as you're coming up to the barbell? So when warmups start, like when squat warmups start, all that nervousness turns into like aggression and energy and adrenaline. Yeah. It's just, it's a miserable, 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 like week before though. Yeah. Yeah. Is it fair to say, like, I remember sitting down at one of the breakfasts, like, and just trying to shoot the shit with you. And I'm like eating a ton of food. And I was like, dude, are you okay? Are you eating? And you're like, I can't eat. And like, how much weight do you think you lose the week of the meat from, from just like stomach pain? (laughs) I'd say I normally weigh in probably like four or five pounds less than what I would weigh at night at home on a normal night. Yeah. Okay. So you, you account for that. Like, you know, it's going to happen and you've just been dealing this with this for years. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess talking about the Arnold. So what, what exactly happened this past, uh, this past Arnold, uh, you had a crazy meet, but I saw there was some confusion going on in the warm up room. Like, um, you had like warmed up for your squats or early or something <laughs> happened. What, like what happened? This happened so, in Dubai too. I feel like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was some, we thought there was going to be two flights and it ended up being one. Did I have that? That was in Dubai. That was, I think that was in Dubai. So they made one big flight in Dubai, but it was reverse at the Arnold. You thought it was going to be one flight and you were were ready. Yeah. And so you really had like another half hour. And I was like, I remember even like, I was like, dude, you're going to be okay. Just like retake your, like your 926 warm up is like super easy. Just go do it again. And you were like, all right, I don't know what you did. Is that what you did? That's yep. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. We, we thought there was going to be one flight and there was two. So I was ready to ready to do my war or opener when the first flight started. And then we learned there was two flights. So I just, I retook my nine thirty seven warm up uh, sometime later. We got to get, we got to get Dan to take the coaching course again or something. <laughs> he's, he's the one that started it. I feel like he's always trying to he like both times he was either trying to change like he was trying to convince people to do one thing or the other so if it did or didn't change like he you know he thought it had changed and it didn't in, in one case and another case it you know he it was the opposite so I just feel like he kind of got screwed too but um like I talked about this last week so I'm like a nervous Nelly and I pay attention to everything that's going on at the meet I'm looking at the board all the time even when I'm lifting I'm like crazy but you kind of just like are in the zone and you don't pay attention to external factors. So that's probably why that has happened to you a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it seems like you're like a pretty much a creature of habit. Like I see you do like the time, you time your warmups, you've got a timer going on, you've got very specific warmups. Like, do you think that like messed you up and threw you out of your groove or obviously it did. probably not. <laughs> yeah. Squatted 515. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say earlier on in my powerlifting career, it probably would have shaken me up a little bit more. 
Um, but now, I mean, no, not a big deal. So that that's part of the story I told last week is that like I was wrapped up and ready to go in Philly for my last warm up, and you you were like kind of in your zone, like headphones, but without wraps on. And as I'm getting up and put my belt on, Dan started unloading the bar. <laughs> And I don't even, that's what I said. Like, I don't even think you realize this happened because you were doing your thing. But so Dan loads my bar and like at the time, like, um, like Luis and Charlie Connor were helping me and Townsend and, uh, they just all went crazy on Dan. And so then there was like this really, like I got super aggressive in that meet. I was super mad at Dan. And so like it ended up being fine. And I don't even think you knew it happened cause you were like listening to like five finger death punch, like 50 feet away from the rack. But uh, by the end of the squats, when you guys were at the jury, I was still fucking mad at Dan. And that's why I started talking trash. And I think you were kind of caught off guard and were like, fuck you, Joe. Like, I'm going to fuck you up. So <laughs> that's kind of the story I told. But really, at the end of the day, like Dan was like with the, doing the stopwatch thing where you guys time your stuff like to the T. And uh, he just wanted to unload that bar. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm glad you brought that story up because I feel like that's that's an extremely spicy story yeah. that hasn't been talked about in the powerlifting world. Yeah, well, no one cares about me. So it's like if you if you fought kind of olive in the war room, people would talk about it. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that was a wild raw nationals, though, because I, I remember, uh, yeah, I didn't know the whole your bar getting unloaded part. Yeah. I just, I knew I did my third squat, and it got it turned down, and Dan was probably going to the jury, and I come to the, the warm-up room, and you were like celebrating, and I was like, "This more like, <laughs> nah. I, I just, I just lost it. Yeah, I lost it. I remember. I go, "What the fuck are they? What the fuck are they doing at jury table? That shit was high as fuck." That's exactly what I said. <laughs> but like, then I realized you were standing next to me, and I was like, "Oh shit, Daddy's right there." <laughs> you got pretty mad. I, I actually remember yelling like, "Joe, the only effing way you'll ever beat me is if I bomb out." <laughs> yeah. But, well, that's fucking true, but <laughs> oh man, that was—I mean, that was super spicy. That was a way spicy. Moment. Yeah, we didn't talk for like a while, and then you know, like I'm a pretty like, <clears throat> you know, like I'm a competitive person. I like to talk trash like in the heat of the moment, but like, you know, and I—I I think that's something that's wrong with powerlifting. Like, I—I I talk trash to referees, talk trash to competitors, but like, so like if you're in the if you're a professional athlete in a team sport, like that's all okay, right? It's not okay, but it happens. But in powerlifting, it's kind of whack. Like everybody yeah. has to like prop each other. Like I don't want to like I acknowledge how great you are, but on the day of the meet, I don't want to like be like having to tell you how great you are on the day of the meet or not being able to argue with a ref or something like that. And that's kind of what I hate about powerlifting a little bit right now is that everybody's so buddy buddy and nobody kind of show people have killer instinct, but nobody shows it because nobody wants to be that guy. Yeah. It's like you got to walk on eggshells and make sure you don't look the wrong person the wrong way or say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yeah. I think that came from like when we competed collegiately, like you're there with your team. So if you're talking trash, it's almost like more team to team. So I used to talk so much trash when we were younger to other lifters like oh this fucking guy from texas i'm gonna smash you or whatever or whatever school they were from but then like when you're not in school anymore it's kind of like not cool i guess but like i still do i still do it you know but um yeah we didn't talk for a while so that was a bummer but i think by the next year's world we were cool and we we warmed up together and you know we 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 did all right it's just that 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 one kind of sucked for both of us because kanala got a high squat passed and that was like an extra, mm-hmm. that was like a 15 kilo swing 
and it, that kind of screwed you. But yeah, we've been yeah. good, man. But that was a good story. Also, 2016 Nats was good. That was a good one between us. That was, was that was my personal favorite nationals. Because like I outsquatted you somehow because you like dumped your third. <laughs> and I was like screaming. I we we both knew it was a world games, you know, we needed to win so we can get on the world games qualifying pass and path and I squatted a thousand and you and Cooper Wade were trying to squat oh, over a thousand, obviously. And uh like Cooper got his pass, but then No Pe- he didn't. But then Peach protested it because it was super high. <laughs> So then Cooper like stopped talking to me for two years, which it's bullshit because I should be able to pro, you know, my coach should be able to protest the lift and that's all part of the game. And, uh, so Cooper's pretty, was pretty mad at me. We're cool now. But, uh, then you dumped your, you dumped your third squat. So like in, at, at nationals, I feel like you open lighter and then make a big jump. Cause you know, like the rest of us suck. Um, but then you hit some crazy big bench and I was like, Oh shit. All right. So then we're like tied going to the deadlift. So actually after our deadlift openers, I was in the, the lead and then you made a 30 kilo jump and I was like, fuck. So I made a 30 kilo jump and I missed it. But I just remember when you thought you were behind, like after squats, you turned into this, like you started like banging your head against the wall when we were warm for bench <laughs> and me and peach were kind of like, shit, he's I coming. <laughs> I remember, I remember after the bench, like, I think you kind of had it in your head that, like, if as long as you deadlifted well, like, Joe's ass was yours. So you started, like, just yelling at, like, a 75-kilo barbell, like, while you're listening to the weights. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is going to be a bloodbath going into the yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you remember that. But another problem I have is, is I'm always joking around even when I should be serious, like, even in a big meet. So, like, you were yelling at the bar, like, the empty barbell, and you couldn't hear me because you had your headphones open on but you were just trying to help yourself up and i was like why the fuck is he yelling at that bar like what the fuck <laughs> so i don't know how you remember that like did, was the competition like registering registering to you that you could lose or like were you just so mad that you missed a squat like what what was the deal yeah both i, I remember after squats i was like what the crap like i'm I didn't have the biggest squat. Like that's my, that's my mojo. Yeah. And then I, I don't, I don't remember if I looked at numbers or not, but I was like, do I got to have a big bench and a good deadlift? Cause I just got out squatted. Like I never thought I'd ever get out squatted. Um, cause I, at nationals, I was trying to just be like super conservative. And I think I, I don't know if I got called on depth on my second one, maybe. Yeah. I think so. The third one, I think, I think you lost take, balance. I think I tried to take my third one deeper and yeah, I lost. Lost it. I, you know, I'm crazy. Like I have, I, you say like your memory gets away from you. I think you block a lot of stuff out and just move on. But I remember your attempts. You squatted 445 kilos, and then you jumped 30 kilos to 475. So it was yeah, like a 66 yeah. pound jump, and like you know, everybody thought you would get it, but you you got called on depth, and then you kind of like fell backwards in the hole on the third one. So That's right. I remember exactly how everything went down because I'm crazy. I mean, <laughs> I remember the emotion like going back to the warm up room for benches and deadlifts. Like, I fucking got to crank it up. Yeah, yeah. That that still that's one of my. I think that's my favorite meet ever because I felt like oh I could I could if I like that was probably the last chance I had to beat you without you having to bomb out. Which now that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> So would you say Kono's your biggest rival? Like, do you dislike him the most out of any any of your rivals? Like, is there actual yeah, is there him. actual bad blood? Yeah, a hundred percent there is. Yeah, and 
again, I don't know if like some of it has to do with culture or language barriers or whatnot, but like there was nothing between us. I mean, obviously I was pissed. I didn't win worlds 2015 or whatever, but, uh, then like he comes out with that video and just like dragging my name, like saying all yeah. these like awful things about me. And I don't know if some of it was like lost in translation or what, but I was like, the hell's the matter with this dude? And then, um, that, that's for sure where it started. And then I remember after that, and then even after, uh, like Sweden and he did these videos saying that I'm like, I don't know what he was trying to say, but like I cheat with the gear or I'm doing something with the gear. Like I'm almost certain if you look at his, uh, especially at that time, like his best raw total to his best equipped total. Like he had, he his total was up a lot more from gear than mine. Oh, 100%. He gets way, yeah. he gets a lot more carryover than you do. It's like, yeah, I, I get a ton out of the shirt, but I get very little out of the squat and nothing from the deadlift. No, negative um, from the deadlift probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, that's not good. And obviously the whole Dubai meet was, was uh, pretty intense. Yeah, dude. That was awesome, man. Big fan, big fan boy. Um, I had a funny question for you, actually. I don't know if you'll get mad at me for it, but when I gave your intro, I was reading off your Wikipedia, right? Like you have a wiki, like not a lot of powerlifters have a Wikipedia, but like I'm reading this and like, it's all true. I got to ask, do you update your own wiki? No, I no? do not. Well, you have some fucking good fans out there. They put your world records from the Arnold, which is good. But like, there's so much. There's your entire your your entire history is on here. It's crazy, even your teen records. I mean, Dan has to update it, right, or somebody like that. I mean, for does it to be Jess that update accurate. it? <laughs> I mean, who needs Wikipedia anymore with open powerlifting? Though, yeah, right? yeah, that's true. That's true. No, but I mean, it has it even has like your personal life, your job on here. Have you read this? I've, it's been a long time since I've looked at it, but I've seen it before. But yeah. so, so much of that stuff is out there on the internet. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm not even good. And if people Google my name, like I remember I applied for a job. I took the job and on my first day, all the people in the office were like, yeah, we Googled your name. Like we watched all these videos and I was like, oh, shit, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch a bomb out or a good one? <laughs> you know. So for you, there's probably a hundred times more stuff out there. So yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I I kind of had a small question. Like, uh, so you went to Westside Barbell, and it looked like you incorporated some of that into your training. Like, what are some of the things that like you can't just like research online that maybe you learned from Westside that would, uh, you know, are kind of different? Because I like conjugate training, and you know, you can just kind of look up the basic template and only learn so much. But it, was there something specific that you took away from your trip? Yeah, I, I'd say three things. Uh, are we allowed to say anything on this pod? Yeah, yeah. anything, to- dude. So, so the, the first two, I got to like give him a lot of credit because like Louie is not a freaking gear whore and he does like, he does not support his guys being gear whores. I'm a much bigger gear whore than any guy there. Or, I mean, the, like Louie's philosophy is you, you train to get strong as shit and then you put your gear on for a meet. So that was the first one. Um, and then the second is like, again, I don't know how, how true any of this is, but I mean, they're not big on the, the juice, obviously that culture. I mean, they're, Mm-hmm. they compete untested they take it but it's not like yeah. like when you ask me who's hotter i said little bridge because like i feel like the, the raw untested guys use the juice to like <laughs> get the numbers up but yeah. i was really surprised at how like the gear whoring and the juice wasn't like such a giant thing for west side and then the other so 
that you can't look up online is like, uh, I'm, I've read Louis' books and done a lot of wet side reading over the many years, but the dynamic effort date, like it sucks. It's, it's hard. I, cause whenever I applied it before in the past, it was like, okay, you load up whatever percentage is, you do your nine sets of three, whatever. And like, it's easy. Like you get done and you're like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's like a, a warm up. like move the weight fast. But the way he likes his guys to train, it, it sucks. Like you, you talk about the, any sort of like raw volume training, like five sets of five, nine sets of three, like those are kind of similar percentages they use. Like the, it's tough. So I, mm. I say that was the other takeaway. So like what kind of percentages or, uh, you know, weight schemes or whatever, like what makes dynamic effort day harder? Um, just that it's so much heavier than I had ever done it. So normally he'll prescribe like, uh, you do three week waves, you'd go total weight would be like 75, 80, 85%. Sure. Say your bar weight, bar weight would be like 50%. So the first week you get 25%. Um, you get 25 more percent from free weights and then add a 5% each week. But the, like how he comes up with his sets and reps and percentage schemes is the Prilton's table, which like there's plenty of science behind that. So mm-hmm. instead of like, it's called speed work or whatever, but it's not like speed. I mean, it falls in Prilton's table. So like vo- the volume sucks. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. Peach loves it. Peach loves that. Oh yeah. I love it. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I, we, we've asked you a lot of stuff. Do you, do you have anything to say to the, the spicy PL pod before we wrap it up? Wrap it up. I mean, has it been spicy enough? Did we get enough spicy questions in? I mean, what do you think? Like I've, I've listened to a few podcasts with you and people immediately, you know, we didn't talk about chicken shakes cause we're not going to, <clears throat> because I, I think you're a pussy and you should chew your food. Come on. <laughs> <clears throat> and like a lot of people ask you about your hips and stuff like, and your training and like, you know, I did, I did, you know, I was tough on you asking about low points, but I think that's interesting because as equipped lifters, we, I want to talk about bomb outs and like the mental part of that. <clears throat> but like, do you feel like, uh, this pod, the questions were a little different than the other ones. I feel like the other ones, they were, they were very, they were toss ups for you. Easy questions. Yeah. hundred percent. No, they were good questions. <laughs> yeah. We're going to beat kind ass one day, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I just tell a story about that other Russian guy though? Dude, anytime we got time. Yeah. Like, we we want to respect your time, but go ahead. Is the is so just remember. to clarify, is this is this Kono's coach or like Or is it Dmitri Spiridonov, that guy? It's that it's, it's that the video guy. guy, yeah. He was there. Yeah. He he's like at some worlds and not, so he was actually in Dubai like filming everything this time. So I think that's probably why this year was a little crazier. Yeah. So, so he talked like I've seen his stuff. He, I mean he puts out some good stuff, you know, to follow Russian powerlifting. He talked to me before the meet and asked if he could like do an interview and so I, I think he had put out the interviews with Kona before. Yeah, they did a lot. They, they did a lot. In 2014, I actually did like a a meeting with him and he recorded it and just asked me what I thought about Kono at the time. And like, it was cool. I, I do, I don't have any issues with those guys, but like, yeah. So he, he, it seems like he interviews a lot of Ukrainians and Russians like before and after the meets. Yeah. Yeah. So I already didn't like him because of the videos he did with Kona, right? But I was yeah. like, I was willing to have an open open uh thought of what i thought he might be so before the meet in dubai he comes up and asks if we can do an interview and i was like i was in meet mode focused and i was like like i'm not gonna talk before the meet if you want to have one after the meet i'll have one 
And I looked at him and I told him, I was like, but you're not going to skew this in any way. You're not going <laughs> to make you look like you're not going to make me look bad. You're not going to pull any of these like sketchy interview things where you kind of twist my words. But no, no, no. All good. Right. I do the <laughs> That's a good impression <laughs> of him, really. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do the meat. The meat goes good, obviously. Um, and he was just like blowing me up to meet up afterwards. And like, I just wanted to sleep and relax. I was like, all right, fine. So he like came to my hotel and interviewed me for like an hour. And again, before it started, I was like, I was like, be fair, you know, telling them to be fair. Don't make, you know, be, be honest and open. Um, don't make me look bad. Don't, don't skew this, blah, 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 all that. Right. Yeah. It was a good interview. Like he asked some tough questions, which was fine. I was happy to answer them. Yeah. Um, and then like he puts that video out and I'm like this, <laughs> right. It's just, just the so one with the bench attempts, to, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his interview questions with Kono and everything afterwards too. I was like, he's, I mean, he, he doesn't care about anything except for trying to make me look bad and make Kono look like he should have won. And I was like, I, yeah, I can't stand that. Yeah. Either. It was tough. It, it, I don't know. I guess you could kind of see it coming because after the meet, like being in the room at the meet, we all knew what, what was going on. They were very, they were very mad about how the meet went down. And like, you know, for you to do the interview after the meet, like obviously you won, but like they obviously, they, yeah, I could guess that they were going to skew it because they were su- super mad like the day before. Yeah. Like, I don't know what my future holds, but if I ever see that dude again at world, something <laughs> in one of them, like, well, you know, oh. you got to tell people, you got to tell, you know, Dan and Jeff, just be like, don't let this guy video my warmups. Don't let him video anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just like seeing them boil my blood. But yeah. uh, <laughs> another another story, right? About our spicy, what, 2016, where I was yelling at you in the warm up room? I think that was 20. Oh, well, yeah, that 2016. Yeah. You were yelling at something. Or, oh no! Okay, 2015 then, or the one where I bombed out. 14, 14. See, I got the, yeah, I got like, the memory to complete you, Blaine. <laughs> thank you philly philly yeah i was like yelling at you and i wanted to fight you i was so mad and like dan comes in and he grabs me and he's like shut your mouth right now or you'll never live here again and i was like Whoop. yeah Zip it. dude my 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 <laughs> second meet ever i started cursing out a judge i pulled a i pulled a deadlift to um to win collegiates in Denver, I think you were there, but you you just coming off knee surgery, so you did you tried the bench record a few times. Do you remember this, Khalid? Oh yeah, two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Yeah, shit. What? Two, it was a long time. See, now my memory gets that's fuzzy, like twelve years ago. So two thousand eight collegiate nationals, you were trying to break that five fifty one bench record. It's so funny because like our shirt sucked and like that bench <laughs> record, and uh, I I believe you bombed out. I'm not, I believe you bombed out, but like you I'm just sure. come off an ACL surgery, I think. So you're bench only. So I'm trying to win the meet, my last deadlift. And I got called two to one for like hitching or bridging. It was also my second ever meet. So like, I didn't even really even know the rules. I turned to the side judge. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't understand like missing lifts as part of the game. And Dan just fucking flew out of nowhere and was like, basically told me the same thing. And I didn't even know anything. He's like, you've, he's like, shut your mouth or you will never be back here. And I'm like, shit. So I just walked away. But yeah, Dan's, I love Dan, but I mean, it's just like the rivalry over the, not, not as much of a rivalry anymore, but like lifting against you guys so many times, you know, like I get into it with Dan every now and then. But I mean, this is a spicy PL cast. Do you want to talk about your relationship with uh, the Team USA coaches or no? 
yeah i mean i'll, I'll get into whatever i yeah. got time so yeah so so i know jeff douglas helps you out but i mean i want to hear about your relationship with uh james townsend yeah so i always had a really bad taste on my mouth from like i mean we've come a long ways in our powerlifting careers right like the first i guess the first rock the first world I did was Raw Worlds in 2012, which I won. And I think Matt, Matt Gary and Angela Simons were the coaches. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I mean, it was awesome. They let me like pick my own numbers. They kind of gave me some suggestions. But I, I mean, I felt like it's how it should be. Like, here's what I want to yeah, do. Yeah, you, know, you also won that by a mile. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy when you're, you're that far ahead. Yeah. And also at this point, like I was finishing up my college football career, which like I really enjoyed, but it our coaching environment there was very like military. Like I say, jump, you say how high, like you're just, you're just number, right. Very like kind of military oriented. And so I got out and like powerlifting was fun. It's just like, man, I can just kind of do this on my own. Like no one's telling me what to do. I can mess up and it's my own fault. I can try different things. And so then I did equipped worlds in 2012 in Puerto Rico and, um, uh, two kilo Keller was the coach. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so this was the first time where it was like, like they're going to pick your numbers. Like they're going to tell you in the warm up room, um, what to do, your jumps, your openers, your attempts. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I don't know anybody here. I don't, I've never, this coach has never seen a video of mine. Yeah. Um, and they're like trying to tell you what to do. And like, you're supposed to be a world-class athlete. So that, that meet really set me off and like left a bad taste in my mouth. Like what the, team USA coach supposed to do like what where is it and then I mean fast forward to where we are now like you know you qualify for worlds and they send this contract out and it's still it still bugs me like I know there's two sides of every story but we're going to worlds on our own dime I mean there's a tiny stipend now but yeah forever we've gone on our own dime like take time off from work you sacrifice so much of your life relationships fun you you sacrifice so much to like train for these meets to go to these meets and then you show up and like a coach who has never seen you train in person, um, has never seen your training videos, doesn't know anything about you or your training. And like, they want to give you technique advice in the warm up room and like, um, openers, pick your openers and attempts. And I'm like, this, no, like I'm no, if this is how yeah. it is, I don't want to do it. So anyways, with Townsend, like Dan is, Dan is like totally stepped in to make that easy, but I don't have to send training videos and, like we're fully in control of the yeah. picking our attempts. Yeah. I mean, uh, from my perspective, I completely agree. Like we sacrifice so much and I've spent so much of my own money, like on this dream. And like, luckily I've been able to do that, but you know, there was a time where they were trying to make the team more unified, like hold camps. Right. But you know, guess what? If you want to go to a camp, you still have to take time off from work and spend your own money to go to camp. So I went to a couple camps when it was convenient to me, but we never had a good showing because it's already so hard to do a camp and then go to the world's trip. So that kind of sucked. But like one thing I wish they would do is like have one team dinner, you know, where we could all like kind of like get to know each other, shoot the shit. And just like it doesn't I want it to be a team because like I do love lifting for Team USA. And I know you're patriotic, too, and you love lifting for Team USA. But I also I, I wish it was like more of a group feel and then like, you know, we, we were kind of able to do our own thing on the platform, which, you know, I think it, it, it's tough for some people like you, you, your lifts are so big. People want to like control that and hold you back. Like in my seven world teams, like no one's ever 
pick to fight with me over an opener or something because like I don't know I, I and I and I probably at this point I bombed out more than you but like people just let me do what I want because like I don't know it's not as scary to open at like 900 pounds as it is to open at 1050 you know what I mean <laughs> so yeah I think it, I think it specifically comes down to you and it's like you're able to win a meet on your openers. So like just be conservative, win the meet, but you're also, you know, we talked about this, like you're worried about setting world records, you know what I mean? So there's that fight there where maybe yeah. all of us don't have that fight, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, the relationship definitely used to not be good, but I mean, it, it works now. And I, I understand where USA PL is trying to come from and just how the sport is like, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to get a super duper team atmosphere as long as everyone's got to have their own jobs and pay their own way. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, if they paid for us to go to training camps, like, fuck yeah, that would be, we would all go. But I think know. that might even be more important than like their reimbursement uh, thing that they're doing now. I think the money would be better spent with some sort of uh, weekend training camp or something because then it would get the coach on the same page with the athletes the athletes would feel like they're actually on a team and it'd probably be a similar ish amount of money, maybe a little bit more expensive. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to be inventive. Like in, in 2018, we had five lifters in Massachusetts on the world team. So Cody, Giampa, Kelsey, Monet, me and Eric Kupperstein. So I actually just, well, we pulled some money together, but we flew Townsend up here. You know what I mean? So like, I, yeah. I can't, I'm not sitting here saying like, Oh, it should be a better atmosphere and like not do anything about it. Like, we always try to come up with something that to make it better. So 2018, he was able to do that. We flew him up here. We put him up, you know, we fed him, whatever. He came to the gym and we all lifted together, the five of us and him. Um, and we had a ton of people there helping us with gear. It was great. We filmed a lot of it. Um, 2019, we tried that again, but he just had a second kid. So like he, he you know, he declined, which I understand, but you know, so, something's got to give, like, uh, you know, we're trying to be creative and fly the coaches here rather than us, you know, five people go to one coach in Atlanta, you know, so it is, it is, it's tough, yeah. you know, but maybe I'll just come to, I'll come to fricking Wyoming next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you a tight, I'll show you a tight knee wrap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good idea, Peachy, if they spent their money and doing a weekend, flying everybody one place and putting them up and then get get the coaches you know familiar with everybody and get the yeah. game familiar that might actually pay more dividends it it definitely would because i mean just think about it from an athlete standpoint if you don't feel like you have to argue with the coach because you already had a discussion in the, in the you know about what your number should look like you know you're going to feel more comfortable in the meet and the coach is going to be more comfortable putting the weight on the bar because they have you know seen you train they know that you're being responsible with your numbers etc cetera, etc cetera. So I just think it would be beneficial yeah. for the team as a whole. Yeah, like three, four weeks out, we're all going to go to Blaine's place. <laughs> <laughs> if we're allowed to train there. Um, yeah, so what do you what do you think about Worlds next year? Like I already looked, I don't know if you looked ahead in the calendar, but uh, 2021 Worlds, you know, hopefully it happens and a lot of the stuff is behind us, but it's in the Ukraine. Do you think that's something you're interested in? Uh, I mean, honestly, I have, I have no idea right now. Like, <laughs> If I could predict the future, I'd say I'll probably do the Arnold, but I'm, I'll be highly doubtful if you can set world records there next year. You know, I think there's yeah. bad blood there right now. I doubt, I doubt it. So I don't know. Maybe I'll go there and just like kind of coast and win some prize money, but not do anything crazy. I, I honestly don't know. And a lot of it too depends on, you know, how my back heals the next few months. 
Yeah, I'm just saying Ukraine, like we've been to a lot, of, you've been to a ton of places, I've been to a ton of places, but Ukraine seems to be a pretty like kind of off the map location for an IPF meet, you know? So yeah. I'm pretty pumped about it. There was a time where I was trying to go to Ukraine to train with them, but like the logistics of the travel to get to where all those guys train is super hard because you, you got to fly to Kiev and then take like a 20 hour train ride. So I basically said it, that's not worth it, you know? Where at in Ukraine is the meet? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, actually, I don't know, but I hope it's in Kiev. Because <laughs> that's easy to get to for us. But then anywhere else, like uh, they've closed some airports there. The roads are really bad. Um, Rubitz told me, definitely as a foreigner, do not ever attempt to rent a car and drive anywhere. Like you will get arrested. You will get brought. You, you will have to pay bribes, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I looked into it, but uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's uh, easy to get to, but I'm an idiot. I'll I'll figure out a way to get there. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys got anything else for Daddy? No, I think um, this was pretty awesome. It yeah, went, man, went this was long. cool. This I was cool. The video might be fucked up for like the first half of it, but <laughs> we have all the audio. <laughs> we'll just put videos of Blaine uh, squatting on loop. Yeah, we'll yeah. just put all sorts of crazy Blaine feats on there. But um, yeah, we we appreciate you coming on. It was uh, it was pretty fun. Um, yeah man i hope you're not fatigue podcast fatigue but we appreciate you coming on doing this yeah we hope it was not spicy good. and uh, yeah, yeah you guys are y'all are doing a great one man it's, it's entertaining <laughs> it's been good we're, we're trying to do a service to the powerlifters yeah. like we're not gonna talk yeah. we're gonna talk about some yeah. some funky shit yeah well one last one right who's uh who's pissing hotter this was from last week we want to get your opinion uh two big benchers ryan Keneally versus uh mendy Oh, in their prime, who's pissing hotter? <laughs> wow, I'm gonna say Mendy just because of the look. I mean, <laughs> Canelli was like a little more tan, I guess. I mean, and he, he was a freak, but like Mendy was like purple and had like, like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He was definitely more out of shape. The head rolls definitely <laughs> are something we look for, right? We the look rolls. at the head rolls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. How many wrinkles on the head? <laughs> Like, look at Blaine's head. He's definitely natural. Look at that thing. It's smooth. (laughs) (laughs) Good shit, man. All right, well, tell Jess we said hi. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, and heal up. Heal up that back. Yeah, 100%. You bet, guys. Keep doing a good job. All right, man. All right, man. All right, take care. Talk to you later. See you, man. Later.